Okay, Maranatha, if we want to finish our conversations just for a little bit, we can pick them up after the end of the gathering. Grateful for you. We're going to be um, uh, doing a little something that you guys can have a seat. We're going to do something a little uh, different today. So we're not going to read the sermon or the text right up front. We are going to do it in the middle of the sermon. Um, so you don't have to actually stand, and I'll kind of prompt you in that way. But um, just a couple of announcements as we begin in this, uh, this time before the sermon. They're not up there, but uh, I want to remind you of the Connect cards. Uh, the Connect cards are there in front of you, as well as for you who are watching online. There's a digital Connect card on the website. We want you to fill those cards out because that's really how we know how we might be able to pray for you or serve you in this time. So, so please uh, do that. Also, in a way of service, uh, someone brought forth to us this, uh, the fact that they have two turkeys available. Uh, I think they're like seven, 16 pounds or something like that. So they have two turkeys available for somebody if you need a turkey or you know somebody who needs a turkey for this week's Thanksgiving celebration, let me know. I can get that to you. We have two. Um, they are available today. If you need them, I can get them over to you. Just, uh, just reach out to me. As well, uh, I want to remind you of our community groups that meet throughout the week. That's really where the life of the church is experienced. We actually now have one on Monday. We have Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday still as well. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday now, you can uh, be a part of a community group. If you have questions that you want to know how we're gathering or what's going on in those groups, you can go to the website and you can email those leaders. They'll let you know what's happening. We really want everyone to be a part of it uh, because, again, like I said, that's where the gospel transformation that we're hoping for is going to be witnessed and experienced as we walk this out together. As well, a reminder, we have a members meeting tonight, so all of you members who are here, who are watching online, please participate. We're going to do it here at 5 o'clock. We are going to have uh, some food and dinner. We're going to have Jimmy John's and whatnot. As well, there's a Zoom link available. If you don't feel comfortable coming, um, you can watch it online with us and be a part of us and interact uh, just the same. So those are our announcements. Let me pray for us, and then we can begin. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for how you care for us. Lord, as we go into this, uh, this week of Thanksgiving and we gather with family and uh, hopefully friends and uh, the people that uh, you've brought into our lives that, uh, that we're called to love and serve, I pray, Lord, that we have our hearts turned to thankfulness, even amidst everything going on, that, um, that we see that you are good and that you always will be good and that you are gracious and always will be gracious and you are merciful. You will always be merciful. Help us today to hear that truth as we discuss the topic that we're going to go through today, be with us, uh, be with me as I preach. Uh, we're thankful, Lord, again, for who you are and what you've done for us. Uh, we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so again, today is an interesting day for us all here at Maranatha because like I said last week, we're actually putting a pause on our, uh, our sermon series. We're going to put a, a short five-week pause on our sermon series in the Gospel of John uh, because of the season of Advent. We're actually going to, uh, we've actually been slowly working our way through the Gospel of John actually since September of last year, so September of 2019, and we're scheduled to finish John uh, right before Easter next year. So we're slowly uh, clipping away at that end, but there's still some wonderful things that are to come. So I hope that you're going to miss it as much as I'm going to miss it because there's wonderful gospel truths that are left for us over these next couple months. But today, what I decided to preach on is a topic which everyone who has breath in their lungs can identify with. Everything that everyone who has life in them has definitely felt, as well as I want to talk about what's available for everyone who puts their faith 
and hope in Jesus Christ. So something that we're all accustomed to, something we all understand as well as what's available to everyone who puts their faith in Christ. Now, the reason for this, again, is because Thanksgiving is going to be celebrated this week. We're going into that holiday, and I wanted for us to have a biblical understanding as to how we can possess hopeful thankfulness even in what's going on around us right now, even amongst all the turmoil, all the things that's happening, happening around us. Now, this sermon is not going to be a sermon about, uh, about COVID. It's not going to be about uh, some sort of political statement or an explanation for any kind of injustice done, even though those things have created uh, felt and unfelt unrest in our lives. But this sermon is first going to talk about lament. It is, as we're working our way towards uh, hopeful Thanksgiving, this sermon is going to talk about lament because lament has to do with the heaviness of our emotions that all of these things actually have affected on us, which again, because providentially this year has been universally difficult in ways that other years haven't. So I want us to have this biblical understanding of how we can have this hopeful thankfulness. So if you would, while I'm still talking and we're going to get there, if you would open your Bibles to Lamentations 3. That's actually the text that we're going to be in, and we're going to get there in a little while, and we'll read it in a moment. But uh, if it helps you, Lamentations is in the Old Testament between Jeremiah and Ezekiel If while you're looking and, and paging through. So Lamentations 3, if you would. Now, as I said, uh, I said that I'm going to preach on hopeful thankfulness. And again, I will, but I don't want to pass by the sort of condition that fosters that thankfulness. I don't want to just skip past the very thing that, 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 that develops in us this thankfulness. Because while talking to Calabafia, in fact, the guy who's uh, supposed to be preaching this sermon, he, he said to me something very wise. He said, thankfulness is the doorway, or I'm sorry, rather, lament is the doorway to thankfulness. And that struck me. And in fact, uh, it really summarizes one of the points that I want to make today. And one of the things that I hope we all leave here understanding, that lament is the doorway to thankfulness. Because in our day and age, in really the suburban lifestyle that we lead and live in, lament is one of the most forgotten Christian disciplines. Lament is one of the things that Really, we, we have a difficult time even finding a category for, but our freedom to lament is one of the greatest gifts God has given us. It's one of our most neglected disciplines, but it's also one of the greatest freedoms that God has given us in Him. So let me define first what lament actually means before we get into the text. Lament is, is the practice of mourning through vocalization. All right, lament is the practice of mourning through vocalization. This could be uh, through speech. This could be through crying out or even wailing. This could be through writing or journaling or, uh, or songwriting or poetry, like what we're going to read in Lamentations 3 from the prophet Jeremiah. Lament is really about um, expression rather than repression. It's about getting it out instead of keeping it in. Now, the examples I gave, although they're just a few because there's many more forms of lament that could uh, be encompassed there, those forms are really just, or rather those are just descriptions of the form of lament, all right? 
So what is the function of lament? If, if writing and, 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 and crying out and speaking are forms of lament, what is the function of lament? What does lament actually accomplish for us? What does it accomplish for the Christian? Well, I think there's four main things that it does for us. There's four main things. One, it gives a voice to suffering. It allows us the opportunity to confess the power and authority of God in our circumstances. Three, it brings others into our space for joined intercession over wrongs caused by sin. And four, it begins the healing process of traumas that must be recognized before they can be healed. Now, more importantly, as we continue on, more importantly, if I'm claiming that lament is to be this Christian discipline, or at minimum, a a, a vocal expression, a way of faithful expression, then we should understand not just what it is or how it is, but why it actually works, right? Why does it actually work? Why is it different than simple grumbling? Why is it different than just uh, being frustrated and, and, and talking to a friend? Why is that different, why is it different? What, which, uh, why is it different than just grumbling? Why is it different than just being frustrated? Which is what we see in every other space of our life, right? We we see that constantly. People are always complaining. It's actually kind of uh, uh, kind of posh to not be content with anything. It's kind of neat to just uh, be upset with everything. Which again, the Bible well, not again, but the Bible actually rebukes. Lament is like a list of honest grievances made to God, who is always listening. Lament is a list of honest grievances made to God who is always listening because the God who we worship, the God who we find in Scripture, the one who created and watches over everything, he is, he is not and he never will be deaf to the cries of his people. He promises that he's listening. He will never be deaf to the cries of his people. He will never turn away from us in our afflictions. And we even talked about this last week, right? We talked about how Jesus willingly went to the cross. He willingly allowed himself to be left alone once on the cross so that we who love him and whom he loves will never be left alone. He who knew no sin was made to be sin so we could be freed from the guilt of our sin. God showed his love for us and his authority over all things by taking action through the sending of his Son for our benefit and his glory. That's what he did. That's a a sort of a summary of the gospel. And he continues this. He continues working through this love and, and working by his authority while hearing our lamentations by either changing our circumstances right? We, we want that. Sometimes we want our circumstances to be changed. He uh, also can change our heart. Sometimes we need a heart change. Sometimes we need to have a different perspective given to us or by giving us the endurance that will bring us through whatever it is that we're facing. Sometimes we have to go through the difficulty. Sometimes, oftentimes, we want things to just change. Just, Lord, just fix this for me. But sometimes his answer of love and authority is to give us the endurance to walk through something that we're facing. This is the faithful promise that we see in something like Exodus, uh, Exodus 2, 23 and 25, when he's talking to the Israelites as he's sending them through and having them build a nation. Lament is also an expression of pain, pain that is brought before a merciful Savior. 
Our pain that is brought before a merciful Savior. In the coming of Jesus Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, God made manifest for us the degree to which he would go to provide the way towards righteousness and away from suffering. In the person of Jesus Christ, he showed us the way towards righteousness and away from suffering. We see this uh, when we look at, uh, at stories like how Jesus interacted with Mary and Martha and how he dealt with the death of his friend Lazarus in John 11. We see this intimate relationship and this recognition, this desire to, to, to relieve um, the pains of this world with a hope that is eternal. Lament is also an appeal for grace. An appeal for grace to a, a compassionate father, an appeal that his grace would continue in this life, that would continue being poured out on us. And it's okay to say that it's hard for us to grasp this. It's okay to say that it's hard for us to always grasp how he is always working for our good and for his glory. Right? When we look at our life and we're going through the difficulty, it's sometimes difficult for us to see both. It's difficult for us to recognize how he's working for our good and for his glory, especially when we're being afflicted. But, there's, but, 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 but there is truth, and, and, and here is this truth. Here is what I'm trying to say. As family members in God's kingdom, as those who share in Christ's inheritance, which he gives us through faith, the Spirit in Ephesians 1 talks about how we are given the Holy Spirit, we are given all the inheritance and the spiritual blessings. As those who share in Christ's inheritance, we are called to ask God for him to make known to us his will and to bless us in accomplishing of that will. We get that from Romans 8 and Hebrews 2. That, though, can be difficult because trying to walk out his will isn't necessarily always what our heart desires because we don't have the knowledge of what he knows. Now, that also means if we're to do this, if we're to know his will and be blessed as we accomplish his will, that means that we are then also to maintain in the faith even when it's difficult for us to sort of drink in what's passed on to us as the church. God has purpose for us. He's, he calls us to do certain things as the church, and sometimes that's difficult for us to lay ourselves aside in order to glorify and honor him. Jesus sort of summarizes that command by telling us to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not always an easy thing. Both of those things sometimes take time and effort, but the joy that we're promised is far greater than the pain that comes in waiting for the Son to restore and redeem all things. The pain that we face while we endure here is far outweighed by the joy that we have in the promise as we wait for the Son to come and restore all things. What I'm saying is lament is really our way of complaining to God. So we have complaining to God or asking questions of God, whereas grumbling or just simple frustrations are complaining about God. You see the difference? Lament is complaining to God, whereas grumbling is complaining about God. One is a faithful kind of discipline or expression which leads us into deeper confidence in our relational Savior who is compassionately willing to listen to us, while the other even if it's speaking about the exact same hurts, the exact same problems or pains or traumas, is actually never able to bring us to a hopeful resolution. Now, 
to be truthful and honest, I understand that lament is difficult. I understand that we are working at trying to understand how to process the right way to lament always. We're we're always going through something difficult. And And I realize that I'm really sort of harping on this idea of lament while I'm supposed to be talking about thankfulness. But again, like Kyle said, the wisdom passed down from our student director, lament is the doorway to thankfulness because we need to know what we're thankful for. We need to know what we're brought out of in order to be thankful for it. And the passage that I'm about to read shows us that very thing. Okay, so Lamentations 3, uh, like I said, was written by Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet in the Old Testament who was given the task of sharing God's word to a real hard-hearted generation. And he writes, uh, or as he writes, what he's doing is poetically lamenting over his own frustrations, which also reflect the sufferings that Israel is going through. And in the first 20 verses, our writer poet here gives us these wonderful metaphors as a way to compare and articulate what he's going through. In the first, in the first uh, 20 verses there, I'm just going to summarize them. He says he, he feels as if, he feels as if God has beaten him day and night, that God has purposefully plunged him into darkness and chained him in some sort of prison. God has subjected him to every kind of attack and ambush and abduction and isolation. He's been pierced and scorned and saturated with envy and self-pity. He's feeling crushed and humiliated and any remnant of peace or happiness or dignity or hope that he may have had now seemingly has vanished. All he can think about is what he is saying. All he can think about is his own loneliness and anguish. He's lamenting. He's calling out to the Lord. He's, he's hurting and, and burdened. Essentially, this man has become, become so overwhelmed with the condition that is set before him that he feels as if he is lost, that he has no hope. Whatever is bearing he once had, whatever bearing he once had, whatever direction he once had is gone. He doesn't know where to go. We'll pick up his words in verse 16. He says, He has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished, so my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. This man is vocalizing the burdens that he feels. We too can vocalize our burdens rightly. He's feeling lost, alone, unvalued, beaten down, isolated, and yet even even when the direction of his life seems absolutely uncertain to him, he recalls this glimmer of a memorable promise. Even when he, he, he looks out into the world and all he sees is darkness, he feels lost, he has no direction, a recollection of a memorable promise comes to mind and it's this simple recollection of the Lord's faithfulness. It's a simple recollection of the Lord's faithfulness that causes him to find his footing once again. Verse 21 
but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. After all of this, this I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Despite everything going on, therefore, he will hope in him. You see, the very memories that he just articulated, the very memories that once felt like destruction to this man are now bringing about this great spiritual encouragement because he sees what the Lord has brought him through. Because he's looking and seeing what the Lord has brought him through. Listen to Psalm 77 because the writer there says basically the exact same thing. And maybe you can recognize yourself in the words of the psalmist and how he feels. Psalm 77, 3 through 15. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. Selah. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years long ago. I said, let me remember my song in the night. Let me meditate in my heart that my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? His steadfast love forever ceased. Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his compassion? Selah. But here's the turn. Then I said, I will appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. Selah. After all the difficulty... When you feel lost, when you feel with, like you, you're walking without direction, remember the faithfulness of the Lord. This is what the lament is talking about. This is what the psalmist is trying to talk about. Listen, this is the point of what I'm getting at. Thankfulness is possible even though lament is necessary. Thankfulness is possible even when lament is necessary. The hope that jars Jeremiah back onto his feet is that the steadfast love will never cease. The steadfast love of the Lord will never cease. We can be thankful for that. That is something that we can have joy in. This is the same kind of love that is depicted in the way that Ruth cares for Naomi. We studied that long ago, but that's a wonderful book recognizing what this kind of love looks like. This is the same kind of love that is depicted in the way that Ruth cares for Naomi. This steadfast love is a kind of love that is brought about by devotion to one another. This kind of love and devotion is what God provides when he binds himself to his people. This is what we receive when God binds himself to us. What it is is a love that is based in covenantal relationship, covenantal uh, connection, which is what God will always be faithful to, which is why we can be assured, despite what our eyes are seeing, despite what our body might be feeling or experiencing, that his steadfast love will never cease. Even when we look out into our own life and we see trouble and, and struggle and difficulty and frustration and isolation, feeling unvalued, we can believe because of who God is, 
But his steadfast love will never cease. His mercy will never come to an end. His mercy for those whom he loves will never come to an end because God's devotion to us is always coupled with his compassion for us. His mercy will never speak because it is it ceased because it is coupled with his compassion for us. Now at times, it might feel like God has sort of pulled back his mercy, right? As we look around again to the things that are happening. But what we must understand and believe that we will never be fully overcome by whatever it is that is afflicting us because God's compassion is never consumed. We need to remember that. That despite what you're going through, you will never be fully overcome by it because God's compassion is never consumed. It's never consumed. Every morning, God's love brings a new sunrise on the faithful promise of his provided salvation. Amen. Which is why verse 24 is my absolute favorite here. The writer poet says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. The Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. After all of this pouring of emotion, after all of this difficulty, after all of these expressions of pain and hurt and and, and frustration of trauma, after all this vocalization of pain, the crescendo of his cry is absolutely intimate and personal. The Lord is my portion. I will hope in him. Despite what we feel that we might not have, Jesus Christ is enough. Despite what we feel that we might not have, Jesus Christ will always be enough. Our hopeful thankfulness is found in him. It's not found in the things of this world. It is found in him. Our writer poet then gives us uh, five wonderful observations when it comes to the reality of our afflictions, which of course are there to help us or to assist us with our thankfulness as we walk through them. He says this, number one, patience and hope open up the way for deliverance. Patience and hope open up the way for deliverance. Two, Discipline has a positive benefit if we're willing to accept it. Three, affliction is allowed by, or fiction, uh, sorry, affliction that is allowed by God is always measured and purposeful. It's always measured and purposeful. So please know that God does not delight in our affliction. He's not pleased with the difficulty that we go through. Rather, what we're learning is that his compassion is always found in the midst of our affliction. He does allow things to go on. We talked about this in James 1, how we are to count it all joy, the various trials that we have in this life, because it builds in us an endurant faith, a faith that can endure. Number four, God does not approve of any sort of punishment that is unjust or purposeless. In fact, he promises to punish those who are guilty of such things. And the fifth one, nothing is done in this world without his permission. He is the one who created all things, and therefore he has authority over all things. Maranatha, we really do, as we look at this reality of lament and thankfulness, how lament is the doorway to thankfulness, we really do need to fully understand the famous passage of Romans 8.28. We really do need to, to understand the full, under, the full message of Romans 8.28. Here it is. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called 
according to his purpose. We know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Again, this can be hard because our eyes cannot always see what the Father sees. Our hearts, can, uh, our hearts sometimes wrestle with what the Father knows to be right and good for us. This can be hard for us, but he promises that nothing that happens to us is without purpose. Nothing that we're allowed to go through is without purpose, and we do know his purpose for his children. If everything has purpose, then what is the purpose? Well, we know the purpose. He tells us what the purpose is. We are to be continually transformed into the likeness of his Son. That is his purpose in us. He wants us to be uh, moved into the image of Jesus Christ. He wants us to move us towards righteousness and away from our suffering and sin. So be thankful that God doesn't leave us where we were. Be thankful that God disciplines. Be thankful that you are loved enough that he wants to chastise you as a way to make you into the image of his son. Be thankful he doesn't leave you where you were. Now, as we go from here, as we go and celebrate Thanksgiving, please take this promise with you. Please take what this writer, this poet is trying to say, that God's mercies are new every morning just like the sunrise. So whatever you're going through, whatever is difficulty you're facing, remember that God's mercies are new every morning just like the sunrise, and that it's good for us to wait on the Lord, to accept his discipline and expect his forgiveness. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember to look back and recognize his devotion for us. The truth of his love for his people can bring hope to any circumstance that seems hopeless. When we look and recognize that God loves us, we can have the assurance that he can bring hope out of any circumstance that seems hopeless. God truly desires to use the bitterness of affliction to reveal his compassion that he has for us. This compassion is found in, it's seen in and through his son, Jesus Christ. He is our portion, and we are thankful to glorify him. This is the relationship that we've been given with the Father. This is what we can have thankfulness in as we walk into Thanksgiving with our family, as we walk through these next weeks and months and years of our life. We can be thankful because God has rescued us. He has given us new life, and we are promised the provided salvation. Hold tight to that memorable promise as you face the things in your life and walk with it together. If you would, please pray with me. Father, we love you and thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you come down to us, Lord, that you come and you rescue us from this broken world. Thank you, Lord, for the hope that you give us in your Son. Thank you, Lord, for the peace that you provide through the promise in your word that we can read and understand and hear from you. Lord, be with us as a church as we try to walk this out together, as we try to follow what's been passed down to us, the command of loving you above all things, but also loving one another as ourselves. Help us, Father, to do that well. Help us, Lord, to do it charitably and with open hearts, willing to lay down our life for you. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do. Lord, help us to be a church that is willing to lament as we look to the promise of our King. In Jesus' name.
Amen.